If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. We are the brothers, both DMs and players. I'm the one who haphazardly pretends to be a competent professional all day, Travis. And I'm the one who very professionally walks all day, Jordan. <laughs> Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast, sipping high-octane brain juice like a mind flayer do for incredible games. With a straw. Nasty. Yeah, mind flayer mind mind just plugs that straw right into your fucking noggin. They gotta uh, take a break, too. <laughs> All right, so I figured out a little trick, a fun little trick with our podcast. I figured out how to get you to critique your own dumb ass. Um, all I had to do was write the episode. So read your line, read it. You have to. It's right there. I'm a stupid melon head with a dumb butt. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Uh, okay, um, so today you're we're... proud of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm incredibly proud of myself. Today, we are talking about the core of role-playing and playing a role and staying on your toes. And how does all of that come about? Well, we were talking about murder hoboing. We got into a spirited debate about what it is and how to fix it. Because So basically, if you don't know what murder hoboing is, it's where everyone just goes around killing everyone they can find because they can. Yeah, and that's about it. <laughs> your adventuring team just doesn't seem to give a shit about the people in the world, and they they end up just, you know, you, you inquisit or you ask questions of the bartender, and then when you're done with the bartender, you just murder them, and that's uh... <laughs> kind of puts a hard stop on everything. Which so we were talking about that, and we were saying, well, there's the classic improv rule, yes and, which is just trying to continue the scene in any way possible. And the idea of murder hoboing is essentially the antithesis of yes yeah. and, which is fuck no. you and die. Stop. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. And that bartender may have had something to say, or the guy that uh, you had captured and were interrogating probably had more to say or might show up in the story later on. But now he can't because you murder hobo. Especially because <laughs> you did it in such a wonderfully graphic way and you probably beheaded him or something and just to to clearly explain murder hoboing is not hobos who are murderous they're they they give hobos a bad name yes yeah i mean if you're As a train hopper with a the old uh stick and bag you're probably pretty cool it's the D D groups that give you a bad a yeah. bad rap um <laughs> okay all right so that's why <laughs> longest way of saying that we wanted to learn more about improv, so that's why we got a super talented guest on the show to help us. So here we have Lena Anderson. Yeah, um, welcome, Lena. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> we got Lena on because she's super creative. She's a very talented voice and piano teacher. She's musically directed and performed in tons of shows. And she's a major improv player. And to top all of that off, of course, she plays D&D, &D, like a religion. So welcome, and thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm super excited to and, be here, and yeah. Any, <laughs> any really exciting projects that I missed there? No, you pretty much got it all there. I doubt we did it justice, but yeah. uh, we'll certainly <laughs> try to in the Heroes stage. So let's go there right now. This is the hero stage, where fantastic folk have a spotlight turned to them to tell the tales of their adventurous lives. Okay, Leda, so the pressure's on. Where are you on a weekly basis on Saturday at 7? Saturday at 7, you say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Saturdays at 7 o'clock, uh, you can find me at the Grindstone Theater just off White Avenue doing a show, doing a show with Sorry Not Sorry Productions. We have a show there every single week. How many people are in Sorry Not Sorry? I believe at this point it's around the 15 mark. <laughs> it floats. It floats around the 15 floats around the 15 mark i mean it's like it's a year-long commitment so we we try to make sure that people can sort of take breaks when they need to yeah because you know 
I don't know why they would want to improv pace so, so well. <laughs> <laughs> so take us through some of the top shows that you do with Sorry Not Sorry. What, what else do they do? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, as you know, there's uh, YEG D&D. It's the Dungeons and Dragons one that's been running for years and years and has been sort of the, the catalyst to creating Sorry Not Sorry Productions. Then we also have Sorry Not Sorry Presents, which is sort of an umbrella name for all of our other formats that we want to do, new things that we want to try. We do all sorts of things through there. Uh, and then on the fourth Saturday of every month, we have the Prairie Improv Federation, uh, <laughs> Which is like basically if you take a wrestling show and all the storylines and drama and larger than life personas that exist in a wrestling show, um, but when the match begins, it's not actually a wrestling match. It's a, it's a short form improv scene. <laughs> so good. That That's is cold. fantastic. <laughs> and they're not as uh, brawny of characters, I assume, as well. Uh, like I'm one of them, so no. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, you know you got to tell us more details about that uh, D&D show that you do. So, yeah, what is what is a typical show at YEG D&D look like? So, a typical show has uh, a dungeon master usually wearing a cape. The the player characters, the PCs, the heroes, um, the, we roll them up in advance. We have elaborate costumes for them, figure out their race and class and everything like that. And they're the ones who are going through this story that's guided by the dungeon master. We also have uh, people who play the NPCs. So different D&D shows have different formats. For us, we have people who, who wear all black. They play the NPCs and they can play literally anything that the PCs might encounter. They might be villagers. They might be monsters. They might be a part of the set, like a tree or <laughs> a dais that comes to life or anything like that. That's awesome. I want that in my home games. Just like a crew of <laughs> people to do it all for me. That's yeah, amazing. Crew of yeah. NPCs to play off of. That you have to be of... ready for them to throw your plans way out of whack. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. Well, you know, because I know that you are you probably won't hype this up as much as it should be. Your show is described as a long-form fantasy improv. Like, it's a continuous story, yes. right? More or less. Yeah. We tend to do it in, like, two-part segments. Okay. Um, and we do bring characters back throughout the course of the year. The big shows for us is when the Edmonton Fringe Festival comes in. We've been doing the Fringe Festival every year since 2012 in YGD and these inception and throughout all of the shows of the Fringe, whether it's eight shows or 10 shows or 12 shows, that is one continuous campaign from start to finish. And those wow. are typically sold out shows. Yeah, it's sold out or pretty close. You, you definitely want to get your tickets in advance for the closing show. And the whole point being that this has become a thing in Edmonton. What would you say is the percentage of like hardcore D&D players that actually attend your shows? It's pretty up there. And like, it, it was definitely a lot more of that when we started. And I feel like we're starting to find a blend of like people who enjoy D&D &D and people who enjoy improv and, and storytelling. We actually do roll up character sheets of our characters and you can buy our characters at our shows if you want to play <laughs> that character at your table. That's cool. awesome. And you level up through the show as well? Um, and During Fringe, we do. Okay. Typically for the regular season, we set it at level six because we're like, it's not so high level that like whatever they encounter in the show is going to be believable, but it's high <laughs> enough that they have like archetypes and it's a little bit more nuanced than I'm a human fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Gives you a little more to play with. And yeah. I've also been told that there is a giant D20 that the audience gets to roll. There is. There are two giant D20s <laughs> that the audience gets to roll. Uh, so there are two times that you could roll the dice. One is for a skill check. Uh, if someone wants to try to climb the tree, they roll a D20 to see if they can climb the tree. Uh, the other time this happens, and I, I haven't brought this up yet, the other times that we roll the dice are for fights. So you roll two 20-sided dice, uh, whoever gets the higher number wins, and then we play out that fight using stage combat rules. Nice. So that's a great segue <laughs> into your stage combat experience. Yes. 
Um, so I am an actor combatant. Uh, I'm actually currently training at the intermediate level with Fight Directors Canada, which is the nationally recognized uh, academy, I guess, for stage combat. And I've been, I got my first certificate in 2015 and I've been training since. Wow, that's awesome. You fake a real good fight. When are you going to get <laughs> more of these online? Because I saw one online and I really want to watch, but I don't live in Edmonton, so you see the issue. <laughs> oh, yes. Our, uh, we do film our shows. Uh, they are up on a YouTube channel under Sorry Not Sorry Productions. Uh, so most of our shows you can find there. Sometimes we have to face the insurmountable monster known as technical difficulties, uh, <laughs> in which case we will post a summary of the show on our Facebook page. We so yeah, completely... check out our YouTube channel. I'm sure there have been more since the since the one that we did in January. Sweet. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the one that we watched was phenomenal. Like it was really <laughs> funny. Um, yeah. And that was a little bit different from our format because I think that was the ones that got away. Yeah. And that was our character showcase. So we were actually shaking things up for that one. Yeah, you were all switching around roles and. Because every every player in YG D and D makes their own hero, and then month by month we cast it so everyone has a chance to shine in that particular spotlight. Okay. So. January was the one where we're like, let's all show the heroes that we've made so that everyone gets a little taste for the season to come. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Big fan of the gelatinous cube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me too. With the single olive. <laughs> so tell us your origin story with D&D. How did you... Uh... You know, there's always somebody, the origin story is always that moment where you go, holy shit. Um, well, I hope I don't sound like a, a, a treacherous in any way, but my origin story is actually with Pathfinder. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> That's where ours started. Yes. Too. Oh, We're perfect. sinners as Great. well. Don't worry. More or less. Uh, yeah, um, the, the person I was seeing at the time was really into D&D with some friends of his, and he's like, oh, you're an actor, you gotta get into this. And I'm like, okay, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what it is. And then I went over and played a Pathfinder campaign with these people who are, like, now my friends to this day and I still regularly play with. And, like, they were saying when I was first playing, going through scenes or whatever, and then we would start to get into more like number crunching stuff and i'm like what which one do i roll again and they're like oh right you're new at this <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how it always seems like so many rules when you get in and then you're like oh it's not really about the rules it's about the story for sure and that is honestly something i appreciate about fifth ed that's the one i've been playing most i feel like that one's been really really good for storytelling and like simplifying a lot of the number crunchy stuff i know there are a lot of players who like love that kind of thing i am not one of those players personally <laughs> <laughs> yeah we tend to kind of straddle the line between i mean we definitely focus on the storytelling i think a lot more in our own personal games but like mm -hmm. yeah we we have played in those games where they're just like oh this is just really advanced chess. Like you're you're just using this as a vehicle to play combats out. And yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. think there's any wrong answer, but yeah, we definitely lean towards the storytelling ourselves. Once That's a great way of putting it. Very advanced chess. <laughs> <laughs> so who do you regularly play in your non-stage D&D games? In my non-stage D&D? Yeah. Uh, Okay, I'm personally a big fan of clerics. I love me some magic users. I feel like they have a lot of really fun options. I'm with you on and that. Clerics have, like, their backstory, I guess, is really easy to come up with. My most recent character in a campaign that just wrapped, their name was Radiance. They were a tiefling cleric of, like, a very, very strict deity of light. Basically, oh. like... I'm trying to be a good person. I am inherently not. So I am going to go as hard in this direction as I possibly can. So that was fun. <laughs> Just yeah. to make sure your bases are covered. Like, <laughs> I never slighted anybody in my entire life. I may have horns, <laughs> but I've never said an unkind word. And screw you if you think that I'm a bad person. Hard going, hardcore <laughs> like cleric. Yeah, I, lo I love clerics much. too because they're super versatile. Totally, like yeah. You can go any direction with them. I'm playing a pretty opposite of that 
cleric of trickery. <laughs> that's one of my most favorite characters. I mean, my so. my stage D and D character is also a cleric, uh, but of the Tempest domain for chaotic evil deity. So that's Ooh. also pretty hard in the other. Oh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, definitely playing two sides of that coin. Yes. <laughs> So going back to kind of, I, I don't know, I suppose this straddles the line between stage D&D and, and uh, sit down D&D, but mm-hmm. how do you kind of develop that chemistry with new with new groups and new players every time a season comes around? For YG D&D? Uh, or just uh, sitting down at a table. You imagine the kind hmm. of same concepts apply. Yeah, you, I guess so. You might so. have more experience with it on stage. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely a big part of what we do on stage. Like, if you're going to improvise with anyone, there has to be that degree of trust there and building those bonds with each other. I find when I'm sitting at a table with a group of people, one, for the most part, they're usually people that I know very well. But it's it's always nice to sort of check in and, and see where their character is at, what their character is up to. Multiple times, I actually kind of enjoy doing this. I build the character based on what everyone else has built. If everyone's in like a sneaky, roguey direction, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll play the comedic barbarian that runs in and distracts everybody all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. So that's that's when you kind of have a chance to work with people so it sounds like you work with people on stage and have more experience trying to create that trust or people you know really well. But what would you say to somebody that wants to kind of build that trust right away or get into the role playing quicker, but they lack the experience or the confidence? Like, is there anything you'd say to to people trying to get started with that? I would almost say if you can find someone to sort of guide you along someone that can sort of show you the ropes a little bit. I feel like having one person helping you with that is probably easier than having a group of people trying to mediate what you're doing. Yeah. The other thing I would say is don't be afraid to like forgive yourself immediately. That That's one of the key concepts of improv actually is like you're going to fail a lot and it's necessary and it's good. So don't be afraid to to fall on your face a few times because it's always going to be that that learning experience. Yeah, and I, I think there's always that, there's definitely an element of that fear of really kind of getting into a character and just, you know, letting the chips fall where they may when it comes mm-hmm. to role-playing. And I think that's why, you know, when somebody new to role-playing kind of sits down at a table, they there's always that hesitation to, like, really get into a character and just kind of let, sure. it, let it roll. Yeah, I definitely felt that when I played D&D for the first time. I was very, like, reserved, off to the side. I was playing a bard. I I let the friends sort of take the reins on a lot of things and just sort of felt out the situation. And somehow that character ended up being the leader of the group. I don't... (laughs) I think it's just because the other two were, like, too big and bombastic and silly to be the leader. So it was like, oh, this person seems very, like level-headed so let's make her the leader (laughs) intelligent about their decisions and it's Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you said it was difficult to kind of get into that character initially because you were prior to that an actor and so like you had the acting chops you have the acting background but you still sat down at the table and it was still a challenge to get into that character so i don't think anybody is immune to that for sure and like when i started D, I hadn't started improvising yet okay and like my improv knowledge actually was grown through being in yeg D, and i think a lot of it yeah it, it takes a lot of like time and and trust and i think everyone's first character is also not too far from who they are as a person my character was very very close to me and playing a character like that can be very reassuring for some people because it's like, oh, I don't have to do a silly voice. I don't have to try and play this huge personality. I can just be me, but turn up this aspect of myself a little bit. Great. Yeah. For Yeah. For my character, it was like, I'm just going to turn up the aspect of like, she always wants to learn things. She's always trying to build her skills, learn new languages, connect with more people, like <laughs> turning that up. And then otherwise, I'm, I'm pretty sure she was mostly me. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a really fun exercise in my mind is like analyzing somebody's first character and going, 
oh, I understand you more. (laughs) I I get you now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's a wild phenomenon. Like, it seems true of anyone that we've seen. Definitely true of us. Yeah, and I think that's totally fine. And it, it gives you that space to sort of be like, okay, I'm figuring out this game. I'm figuring out how this all works. I don't have to worry too much about the character because pretty much they would do what I would do. And then as you get more and more into the game, that's when you start to explore that wider diversity of characters. And you go, okay, now that I've played this character for so long, I'm going to go this way. I've played this light cleric for so long. Now I'm going to play this Tempest cleric. (laughs) Both still clerics, but there's a difference. (laughs) They're very different. They're very different. different. My second character was a barbarian. So it's like, okay, yep, that makes sense. (laughs) Barbarian. (laughs) Well, it's very clear you have the acting chops. You've got the the improv chops you've got the D chops so we're gonna do our absolute best of ripping out all of the good juicy bits in our next <laughs> segment am i uh, being sacrificed <laughs> <laughs> we can't do that from here you should be fine should be oh, okay all right <laughs> let's go do it welcome to timora's tavern where absurd games of fortune and skill are played for the amusement of all Okay, so we're going to play three improv games, and we're going to be led on this uh, crazy journey. We're not sure how this is uh, really going to play out. I'm, I'm honestly a little bit nervous. We have um, one expert and two non-improvers, so two rem- ding-dongs. Remember. <laughs> I got your back. Uh, so uh, the, the hope here is that we can actually identify a couple of really great improv games we're going to borrow them from the world of improv and the hope here is that we can actually turn these to the D table to kind of get things rolling because i feel like there's always that awkward period at the beginning of a new game or even just that session where you're you're talking about like daily events and all that kind of stuff and then you're just okay now turn the switch and now you got to be a person role a play yeah. a dragonborn barbarian mm-hmm. sorcerer now So the first one up is Clover. What's Clover all about, Lena? So Clover is a word association game. We use it in YGD&D. Our audience uh, votes on a magic item or a monster that's going to appear in the show. And we play Clover with what they've given us. So we start with an item or the monster, whatever it is, the noun. And then we start associating off of that noun. So if the word is kobold, we might say small, and then we associate off of small, size. And then we keep going and going and associating off of these words. And the hope is that eventually it circles back until we come back to something that we can associate to kobold. And that's one leaf of our clover. And then we do it two more times. Okay. And so when you play this game, what's the what's the hope to get out of this? Like, how does this get everyone kind of in the same rhythm? Uh, it's really nice to have people sort of connecting with each other and working off of each other and building that energy. So it's a really good sort of bonding game to get everyone in the same sort of energy. Also really good for finding themes that we can carry forward into the show that are related to the word. So kobolds, you might think colony or group or tribe, and maybe that maybe your player has some kind of association with that that they can carry forward into the story. Gotcha. Nice. Okay. So what is our word? Hey, hold on. I've got an idea. Um, Think of a word. Travis has an idea. (laughs) Is that the idea? I thought he was going to get a word. Let's just find a person on the street. I think the neighbors that said... Looking oh, at the Christmas go. lights. <laughs> Yellow word related to D&D. <laughs> okay, so I grabbed the brand new deck of monsters that Wizards of the Coast put out that we recently got. Jordan, split this deck. You got it. We have the whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, just read half the word. <laughs> young. We have Young Brass Dragon. Young Brass Dragon. Yes. Fantastic. Start us off, Lena. Sure. Growth. Uh, which way are we going with this? <laughs> <laughs> We're going in a circle. I assumed <laughs> clockwise. 
which would be you. Oh, okay. fuck. Okay. We'll get this. Um, I'm going to say plant. Ground. Earth. World. Solar system. Vast. Cosmos. Infinite. Time. Ageless. Immortal. Mortal. Young ba- brass dragon. Young brass dragon, yeah. <laughs> a mortal young brass dragon. I kind of, I think I just took a shortcut uh, to the eventual okay. conclusion. Because usually we were, we were super close. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we were pretty much there. At what point? Yeah, like how does it usually? Like you could get say there? young, and then from there it could uh, be young mortal, brass dragon. Young, got it. Or like anything that could relate, I, I think even to any of those particular things, like re- re- things that could relate to a dragon. Yeah. But yeah, that was a good one. Okay. Sweet. We did a thing. We did a thing. We did, we an, did improv. an improv. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that's a that's a good a good little practice round that uh, definitely got me into the improv spirit. It gets you just saying stuff and which, being a goof. Yeah. Totally. And like any one of those words could inspire you to do anything. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, the next one has a bit of a D&D slant on it, which I really liked. Um, the original, I, I changed some of these. The original is called uh, Headline or something like that. Oh, yeah. Headlines. Okay. So I, I did a little bit of a spin on this. I called this Hear ye. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, take us through what, what this is all about. With this one, so with the D&D spin, we'd probably want to keep it within the world of D&D, so no modern settings or technology. And you basically say a ridiculous headline of as if you were a town crier, uh, and then this spurs everyone else to say their own headlines. However, you have to start your headline with the last word of the previous person's headline. Oh my. This, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize that we were doing this as a higher challenge rating with each one of these yeah. games. So <laughs> this is definitely going to be a test. Okay, who wants to start this one? Jordan, start us off. Baby Brass Dragon flies into Castle Window. Window now available for common people made of bad, bad glass. <laughs> Glass statue of Goliath fighting bear destroyed by hooligans. <laughs> <laughs> Hooligan goblin becomes town mayor by majority vote. <laughs> vote now granted to halflings. You must be this tall. <laughs> Tall giant, now everyone's overlord. Bow down to our new overlord. Oh, nuts. <laughs> it was goblins a second ago. Okay, what was the Overlord. Bow down to our new overlord. I wanted to make sure that overlord is the last <laughs> word there. Nice. <laughs> hey, thanks. This is fun. I could see people playing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see people getting stuck on this <laughs> as I am now. Don't think too hard o- on it. Over, okay. Overlord becomes janitor because of swamp thing thing <laughs> i i would read that newspaper <laughs> was thing the last word S- or swamp thing great <laughs> whichever you prefer depends on the hy- uh, d- yeah depends on the hyphen okay this is going to be thing about wizards is they too smart i'm gonna start with question mark no we're gonna cut this game off uh before this gets too weird and i have to start with a question mark you can (laughs) all right that one's definitely fun that one's a good one yeah i really like that so the the final game is Premise lawyer. Take us through the uh, the rule of how the premise lawyer works. Oh, this one spooks me oh. good. 
It's a classic yes and justification game. I feel like, yeah, this is one where it's normally one person. So instead of everyone going around in a circle collaborating, everyone is sort of ganging up on the one person. And I've called this goalie as well, because the one improviser is like a goalie to the offers that are being thrown at them. Okay. So they have to justify whatever is being said at them and just like immediately add to it. Okay. Maybe. They just like keep getting it rapid fire. So, so the idea is not to think too hard on it because that next offer is on the way. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Seeing as how you're our guest, it's probably <laughs> best if you're in the hot seat on this one. All right. So let's do it. <laughs> Rogues are always the most trustworthy of the group. Oh, for sure. Rogues are <laughs> definitely the most trustworthy of the group. Uh, they got all the secrets. Uh, if you if they got your secret, you know that they're not going to let that go. Uh, they have more stuff than you. You just know that. <laughs> so would they have all that stuff if they couldn't be trusted with it? The thing about rogues is they can be trusted and people just sometimes don't know that. They just don't know it yet. God. So just get smart, get wise to that. Yeah. And then you're in place. Just make sure you you hand them a dagger and expose your back. Um, and you can trust yeah. them. You're going to get that dagger back one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Um, should we switch the hot seat? What? I'll I'll uh, I'll fall on the sword for this one. You know, maybe the dungeon master's onto something. Maybe a total party kill isn't such a bad idea. Well, the best way to really, really get into the mindset of a character is to start brand new. So <laughs> wipe those characters off the map and start with a fresh slate. That's going <laughs> to... <laughs> oh, man, that's tough. I'm a DM, you dick. <laughs> Jordan, you want to take a turn? We should put the bard at the front of the marching order. Absolutely, because they're the most charismatic, and everybody knows that you should lead with your most uh, friendly, favorable person. If anyone sees the bard, they're definitely going to say, hey, look at that chapo or lady chap. <laughs> they're, definitely, they're definitely up to good. <laughs> Not no good, like I usually think. So then the rest of the party sneaks around behind while the bard is playing the loot or whatnot and stabs whoever it is in front of the party right in the butt. <laughs> yeah, they'll charm the pants off that trap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that kind of gets the uh, the idea across for That's, these fun games. Yeah. This, I think, is definitely a, a great game to play at the table simply because it gets people in the mindset of not being competitive when it comes to... Totally. I want to do this and somebody else wants to do this. It's always, let me take that, take whatever you want to do, and I'm going to build on top of it. And I think it also yeah. uh, contributes in the sense that sometimes when you're at the table, everyone is kind of frozen because they're th overthinking their characters or overthinking their actions. But this kind of forces you to just like, go do a thing. And that's what your character does. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. It's like it's classic. Yes. And and like, I think when a lot of people think yes, and they're like, ah, I am going to accept your offer. But like, the and is like almost the more important thing. Why mm. do we do this? What's the added layer to this? How can we push the story even further, which this game is also really, really good for. And I think I was always really bad at conceptualizing yes, and because it always meant Yes, I'll just blindly agree, but that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean blindly agree. It means take what you're given and build on top of it. Yeah, which that just game forces. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. Very good. Well, thanks for leading us through those. Yeah, that was so fun. <laughs> good. <laughs> okay, well, up next, we actually have some really good tips to kind of talk about some different strategies that we can borrow from improv. So let's get uh, to the strategy a state rule. Yeah, let's learn all what Lena has to offer. This is the strategy state room, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. Okay, so this is a strategy state room, and Lena has prepared some interesting thoughts that we're going to to kind of divulge and, and discuss 
on kind of reverse engineering mechanics that are regularly used in live play sessions and kind of take them back and make them table applicable for for everyone. So yeah, let's talk about your first strategy, Elena. Yeah, so uh, the first strategy that I have that I think is applicable, it's an improv rule that's applicable to the table, is that everything said on stage or at the table is the truth. If it hasn't been said, it's not applicable. Whatever's on stage is what's real. So it doesn't matter if my YEG D&D character has a 10-page backstory that relates to their father and how he died. If someone comes on stage and says, I'm your father, and I haven't had the chance to, you know, put out that that backstory or explain that backstory or show that on stage, then those 10 pages can just go straight in the garbage. Yeah. They're my father. That's the story now. That's, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool because where I immediately went with that is the whole, um, my player wouldn't do that. My character wouldn't do that. Yep. And yeah. like, that's a trap for sure. Yeah. That's constant. And it's just like, well, you know, your actions speak differently. So, you know, whatever, whatever it is, find a way for your player to do that because you're now in this situation and now you need to run with it. So, you know, yeah, I've seen, I've seen games come to a screeching halt just because, or, you know, parties get split often yeah. when it says, you know what? My player wouldn't do that. Yeah. If they wouldn't do that, how do they get here? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You could definitely use that game that we were just playing as a strategy to like link that whatever happens, link it logically somehow to what your character is about. Mm -hmm. Those games and are definitely good for that because yeah, it immediately gets you into that headspace of like, okay, Lena says that we're going here. Lena's character is is going here. Now let me figure out why, even though my character would never go with Lena, let me figure out an alternative to why I absolutely would, why it's imperative that I do. And that sort of co goes into a uh, a bit of a separate philosophy, but find a way to make it personal to you. Find your motivation, right? So many times in YEG D&D, the dungeon master sets up that the heroes are here looking for X. And that first scene, if we don't establish why we're looking for X, why that matters to us as characters, then the whole story may as well not be happening, right? We're seeing this moment on stage right now. That automatically means that it's important. We yeah. have to find that importance. Mm. Same with at the table, right? We're acting out this moment right now. This is the moment that matters. So we need to know why it matters. Wow. That's huge, yeah. Yeah, that's super profound. So I think the real takeaway here is just always figuring out basically just yeah that going back to that whole yes end yeah. like that's what it all comes yeah. down to is just oh, like sure. roll with it roll with it it's figure happening it out. now yeah 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 nice. i find that like the the backstory that works best is like one that has enough hooks that the dm can choose to play with that if they want but one that's not so elaborate that you get hum hung up on the things that haven't happened at the table something that like a backstory is an incomplete piece, right? It's not your character story. It's everything that brought them to this point. And now you have everything that comes after, right? And that's all the stuff that's happening in your games. There's an interesting commentary within there about just even writing your player backstory and saying, okay, you know, my character is a dwarf from this long dead dwarven kingdom. And it was a war that took his whole family and his friends and uh, he also had a first love, and she's dead as well. And it's just like, okay, what am I going to work with in there? Yeah, because you pretty much that's... just scorched earth everything. <laughs> yeah. One of the rules of improv is don't talk about the past, because, again, it's not that moment, right? Oh. What can we take from that war from your dead family? Maybe you had a long love that is presumed to be dead. That's way more interesting than, oh, she's definitely dead, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what it's not like you said, it's it's about what's happening now. So, yes, yes maybe your your whole clan died in a war, but how does that make you feel about wars? 
How does that make yeah. you feel about combat? Because that's happening now. That's your character today, not a million years ago in dwarven how years. About, how does that make you feel about the bonds you make, the new family you're trying to make? Do you dare take that risk? Yeah. Yeah, or mm -hmm. maybe you you're more intense about those those bonds and you'll dive headlong into certain doom to try and save them because you don't want to lose more family. You'd rather it be you than them at that point. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's uh <laughs> I'm going to play that dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> He's into the, he's into the dwarf backstory. What's your uh, what's your second? Uh, my second approach is basically my whole philosophy to improv, uh, which is make your fellow players look good. The moment that I first heard you don't have to try to be funny to do good improv, I like heaved a huge sigh of relief. <laughs> like thank God. Uh, the second thing I heard was like, jokes are going to reset the scene. Like you save that joke for the end, because if you get them laughing over the funny thing you said, then we have to come back to the thing. And it's like hitting the refresh button. So wow. I was like, I don't have to tell jokes. Thank God. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I was yeah. actually like I was doing some research in preparation for this episode. And I came across that a few times and that didn't initially makes sense yeah you would think like improv's there to entertain to make people laugh so obviously the improv improvisers are trying to be funny well that's not necessarily the case the improvisers are trying to support each other and create something from nothing and tell a story and if that's all flowing organically then the jokes are naturally going to start happening so i think when you're sitting at a table with your other players it's not all about how much gold you're trying to get or how much experience or trying to resolve your own storyline in your own arc because then that all becomes about you and that can start to put a drain on things. But if you're checking in with other people, one of my favorite things to do as a player is figure out which player at the table I already know before the story has started and mm -hmm. establish that relationship off the bat. Cause then I'm, I'm definitely, I'm guaranteed to be playing with that other person. And invested and in their be character. Invested in yeah. Them. Exactly. Yeah. We actually did. Uh, we went through that, that exercise on our previous show about establishing some random bizarre ass backstory. Uh, just that, that, not that backstory, but the player connection yeah. of, Hey, mm. yeah, we were both, uh, we both owned a donut. We co-owned a donut shop in totally. Waterdeep and it can you be know, anything, but yeah, it starts that path. And I think going back to your point of, uh, making your fellow players look good, there's always this idea that, and, and I honestly, like I find myself in that same trap sometimes, but the, Hey, it's my turn. This is my moment to do my thing. And really, like, that's why the help action exists. That's why next time you're doing that grapple check, you run over and you help somebody with that grapple check. You've, you've given them advantage. And now you're both collaborating to, like, bring down an enemy. Or, you know, my best example of this was actually we did a giant fight where the regular human-sized players were all fighting with one giant and the giant ran over, scooped up one of the players with his big battle axe and threw him at the opposing giant that they were fighting and said, it basically used him as a projectile. And that was, <laughs> that was the coolest bit for that player to say like, yeah, I'm now a human projectile. And I couldn't have done this without that other player's mm -hmm. help. Uh, I was once in a fight w with a group of people. We were all sort of, part of the same guild more or less and there was uh, an issue that had split the guild and so we were facing off against each other and one of our characters was a rogue who was passing himself off as being on the other side so when we faced off instead of me as the cleric casting an offensive spell i cast wall of fire and ringed them in which gave the perfect opportunity for everyone's thinking like okay well we're all going to work together to figure out how to get out of this wall of fire but instead, my fellow player pulled out his knives and started stabbing, and no one expected that. They were distracted by the fire. <laughs> nice. Well done. That's very good. And I think, of course, all of these great ideas are helping the situation in which I probably played my first seven characters. Like we were saying earlier, you create this really cool backstory, and then you get really invested in it. 
And then you're thinking, okay, what's my character do in this situation? What would my character's motivation be? And sometimes I just have like complete blinders onto the rest of the party. So I also think that this is a really, really good thing for DMs to consider. It's not necessarily how cool can I make this encounter for the players. Like think about each player's individual strengths and like what facets of this can I tailor to make these players shine and have their moment and look totally awesome without feeling like you're handing the battle over to them, right? You can still make it complicated or, or like hard for them to, to overcome. But some of my favorite battles are the ones where there's a story element on the line for my character. Oh, yeah. And it can be as simple as, you know, if you have a tabaxi in your group that has advantage uh, or like just a, a out and out climb speed, like it, they don't even have to make a check on climbing, throw varied heights into a a particular encounter because you know that when somebody attacks from above, that tabaxi is going to get that moment to shine. Totally. Anybody within the group. Creating moments for your characters to shine, not creating moments to punish your characters. Yes. is a huge (laughs) mentality shift. Totally. Cool. If all of us just took a moment before a game to go, all right, you know, just pick any one of the players at the mm-hmm. table, any one others, and just say, you know what, I'm going to find a way in this game to make sure that I make that one player look better at least once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it can be as simple as saying like, hey, what do you want to accomplish in this session? Yeah. Right? You get a sense of their trajectory and then you can figure out how you can factor into that. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, let's talk about the the third point that you brought up. The third point is my favorite improv point and might initially sound like it runs counter to everything I said, but I promise it's super important. Uh, My third strategy is to find ways to get your character into trouble. In our show, one of the things that can grind the story to a halt right away is the characters trying to win too much. There have Mm. to be those moments where the characters make the bad decision let themselves lose the fight, Mm. put themselves in a vulnerable situation because that creates the opportunity to raise the stakes. The dice roll is a big thing for us, right? Like like I said earlier, whoever gets the highest roll wins, right? Well, we're not trying to figure out how to play out the conflict with the dice rolls. We're trying to play out the resolution of the conflict. The conflict should have already happened and the stakes should have been ramped up to the highest possible point. The character can't possibly be in more trouble than they are. Mm. And then the dice roll determines how much of the consequences they have to face. Wow. It's so wonderful when the whole group is on the same page like that, When, like when you are doing a show. Mm-hmm. My immediate thought is, is how to get my group into that mindset because it is an it's an amazing technique yeah i can see how that would work it's super counterintuitive it is because you want to make sure that the bond with your fellow players is there right getting you in trouble shouldn't come at the expense of your your fellow players you shouldn't be trying to screw them over yeah right well and i think that's the most important distinction there because that's not an endorsement of the rogue to continue to steal stuff from their own party that's a how can my shady business deal get us into an adventure yeah that's or maybe you're in a really tight situation and your rogue is like i have a criminal contact that can get us out of this yeah it puts us all on the wrong side of the law but we'll be free Mm, yeah solves immediate problems but raises the stakes like you're saying totally well Mm. and there's no story if everyone is great all the time (laughs) and yes exactly it can't always just be the dice failure that puts you into a bad situation i think even from from rolling dice like that's a big point too which is you know when dms say you know you roll a dice and somebody lands on a crit one we're talking about the archer the dm will often describe the archer as just shooting himself in the foot you rolled a crit one of course you did something asininely stupid but Mm -hmm. it's not their lack of skill it was something else that caused this failure that they now have to recover from so you know a rock fell and clocked the road, uh, the the archer on his head, and now you missed your shot, and you're concussed. Now you have something to fight against. Now you have more, uh, more gravity to a situation that you totally. now have to fight your way out of. And like the dice shouldn't 
establish the stakes. They should resolve the stakes. Mm. And in the case of the archer rolling a natural one, if you can work that into part of their motivation, maybe maybe a part of their character is that they take pride in the fact that they never miss. Mm. And maybe the natural one is just that they hit the wrong target and now they have to reconcile that. Holy like. hell. That's, <laughs> yeah, no, that's some good stuff. Like, that's some deep character conflict. Yeah. With just mm-hmm. a simple role of a nat one. Okay, you're our consultant. Yeah. <laughs> For every session that we play, we <laughs> just have you as a floating head. Yeah. Perfect. My schedule isn't full enough. So yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah, no, that's that's super helpful. So yeah, find ways to get your player into into trouble, give them rich flaws, and it's not, mm-hmm. you know, that's not necessarily a, an attack on a character or their abilities or anything else like that. But that's where story is. Yeah, and just don't don't try to save face. The character isn't you anyway. You're allowed to do ridiculous things and be wrong yeah. and make mistakes. And that, yeah, wow. And yeah, the recovery from those mistakes is is what makes it a fun time. Totally. You know, and and yeah. have, have a bit of meaning. That's, yeah, that's freaking great. Thanks, Leda. Um, so, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, where we can find more of Lena. So you can check out Sorry Not Sorry Productions on Facebook and Twitter at S-N-S-Y-E-G. And if you need links, you can check out our Patreon or the show notes. In the Edmonton area, they regularly appear at the Grindstone Theater. Uh, Sorry Not Sorry has a show every Saturday night at 7. So if you're in that area, go there for more of Lena and her friends. So (laughs) thank you so much for joining us, Lena. Um, Where can we find more of you elsewhere and, and anything to kind of cap us off? Well, uh, pretty much where, where you can find Sorry Not Sorry is where you can find me. I don't have much of an individual online <laughs> presence. I'm, I also play with the debutantes. We do a sketch comedy show every second Wednesday. It's Odd Wednesday. So you can also find me there. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a fabulous guest. Thanks so much. For yeah. Oh, thank you so much. To come on. This is so, so great. I've grown as a person. Yeah. Today. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm going to have to really mull this one over. We've all changed as characters in this arc. <laughs> it's okay to be flawed, Travis. <laughs> oh, I've got a laundry list of flaws. <laughs> so thanks for Tabletop Audio for all of the sound effects that you heard on our show. So, yeah, you can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook Instagram, Instagram, Discord, Discord Reddit, Reddit. Uh, anywhere else? Well, maybe other places. I'm not sure. I haven't checked. If you Google us, maybe you'll find us somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, don't Google me. Um, so thanks for listening and, and play, play great, 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 great games. games. <laughs> We're great at this.